And, um, and so everybody, come on, stand back on your feet. Let's welcome Melissa Piercy. She's a great woman of God here at our church. Yes. Hey, this is a great couple. Her husband is down there serving. Uh, wild man Shane Piercy, he's down there serving. And uh, they both are, have been ministering in, in the lives of young people for a long time. Melissa has been on this platform helping us lead worship. And, uh, and I just think she's got a fantastic, incredible report to give to you. So go ahead and sit down and let's hear what God has done. Good morning. So on September the 28th, about two weeks ago, my sister-in-law had a two massive heart attacks. She's 50 years old. The doctors um, did not give her hope. Her, her, all four arteries were blocked, damaged. Her heart was fully damaged. And they said she could pass at any time. At that point, we just felt so hopeless. And we just felt like, okay, you know, a lot of times we want to just step in and try to help. But in those situations, we just can't help. And so we began to send out word, and our church was wonderful about praying and sending um, prayer people to, to our direction. People were praying everywhere. And as we left the hospital, I had some time alone with the Lord, and I began to pray. And when I did, I said, Lord, if there's anything in me that could hinder you from, from hearing my prayers, I repent of that right now, and I ask that you would show me any sins within my life, because I don't want a hindrance. Then I began to pray and say, Lord, there's so much evil in this world that we wanna see a miracle. Not just because I wanna see my sister-in-law live, but because I wanna see your power. I wanna see your glory. We don't get to see that enough in this world and it would just be a huge encouragement for us to be able to see that. And so I just began to pray and I just edified the Holy Spirit and I just kept saying, you are God. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are Almighty God. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are Jehovah Nisi. You are Jehovah Shalom. And you are God, the God who is going to make a way where there seems to be no way. And I just cried out to the Holy Spirit. And I said, God, would you give me a word? Would you give me a scripture or something? And at that moment, the Holy Spirit gave me a vision. My sister-in-law was sitting there in the hospital in that very room that we left her in. And the Lord showed me a vision and I will never forget it. There was an angel that stood beside of her bed and it was bent over, over her heart area. And it was like it was working on her heart. And then there was angels that were camped around her room and their, their wings were outstretched. And then one descended on her like a blanket. And I had immediate peace. But then doubt immediately came in and fear, and I was like, okay, every time I hear about angels, somebody's gonna pass. So then I just started having fear. Well, not long after that, Pastor Ron calls, and he began to pray with Shane and I, and then I shared this vision with him. And he said, Melissa, this is really powerful. We're gonna pray for life, because that's what God is, the life giver. He is the one who ordains everything, and he said, I want you to pray into that vision and ask God for confirmation. And so he was just full of wisdom and just gave such wise discernment in this. And so I got off the phone and I began to pray and immediately the Lord confirmed. And he said those angels represent healing, the comforter and protector. And at that point I had peace. I want you to know, my sister-in-law is alive and well. The doctors went in the next day. Her heart start, was already healed. The stents were in place. The blockages were gone. Everything that they had seen the day before was automatically reversed. <laughs> but not only that, my brother and my sister-in-law gave their heart to Jesus. So not only did he do a physical miracle, he did a spiritual miracle. And I told the Lord, I said, I will worship you and I will praise you because you are worthy. So today, I stand here and my faith has increased. And I tell you what, if all we will do is position ourselves to hear from God and cleanse ourselves of anything that would hinder us from being in right relationship with him, he wants to talk to us. He wants to answer. Amen. He wants to show his power and his glory through us. 
And so today, I just say, thank you, Jesus. He is worthy of all glory and honor. Those doctors, they may have said, well, it was a medical miracle, but I know who the miracle maker is. It is Jehovah Rapha. Amen. So I just give him glory this morning. Why don't y'all stand up and let's give God glory for what he did, what he's doing. Yes. Yeah. So when I was talking to Melissa on the phone, what I understood was that the stents were not holding, that the arteries were too weakened and they were not, they were leaking and there was nothing else that they could do. And so when she had this vision, the question that we had on the conversation was, help me discern what God is speaking. Is this the Lord just preparing me that angels have been dispatched to, to bring her home? Or does this mean God's gonna heal? And so in my experience, you know, is we'll deal with death when death occurs. As long as there's life, everything in us ought to fight for life. So I just, we just encouraged her through this word that let's just, let's just believe God that this is a prophetic image that the Lord gave you so that you, could, you guys could pray into this and take authority. And that's exactly what we're talking about, everybody. This is, the thing, this, this is the kind of thing that we all need to be equipped in so that when we are at the end of our rope and we don't know what else to do, the Lord leads us on through, uh, you know, a, a vision, through a voice, through a prophetic word. Amen. Hey, wh- why are you praying? Let's just pray right now. This is Alyssa and Steve, Stephen Brake. I'm so thankful that they have gotten right with the Lord. And so let's just agree with Melissa right now that, uh, you know, just a complete healing, the heart becomes stronger than ever before. Lord, we thank you that you delivered her from death and you protected that family from that, uh, Lord, just the sorrow and the grief of losing a wife and a mom and a sister. We thank you for that. And now, Lord, we pray that there would just be a complete utter 100% restoration to her heart. All signs of heart disease, we just command it to go and we release right now, Lord, healing fully into her and that she and he, Lord, will have a great testimony of the goodness of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Melissa. (laughs) Praise God, everybody. Um. You know, people say all the time, uh, Pastor, when will we see the power of God? Well, there's one. When you see God move miraculously like that. And I know we lose some battles in this thing called spiritual warfare. But, you know, we don't stop fighting and don't stop believing God. Okay, let me tell you what we're going to do for um, the next 30 minutes or so is... I'm going to put a cap on this teaching, and what I want to talk to you about today is how do you know that the impulse of the Spirit or a vision and an image and your imagination like she just described, how do you know that's God and it's not just your your hopes, your wishes, and your want to? Or how, how do you know if somebody comes up and says, hey, I was praying for you, and I felt like God gave me a prophetic word, and I need to share it with you. How do you know that's God? Or what's the process to evaluate something so that you and I don't get deceived and that we really have confidence in what we're hearing from God? I want to talk to you about that. In fact, I want to show you 1 John chapter 4, 1. This is in the Living Bible. It says it this way. Don't always believe everything you hear just because someone says it's a message from God. Test it first to see if it really is. Test it first. I said we were going to be equipping all year, and this I want you to think of this message today. In fact, I really want you to really zone in and maybe take some notes or just clip on some of the points, a picture of some of the points that I have for you. I want you to really get this because we want to understand how do we test it. And the instruction here is, 
So you don't be deceived. You do need to test what you're hearing from God. If it's an inner impulse or inner voice, you still need to test it. If it's from someone else, you still need to test it. And so I want to give you, I want to give you some uh, filters, okay? But first I want to say to those of you that might be new that it is important to hear God's voice and, and because, number one, hearing God helps you know and love him better. And this, this is just a summary of what we've been teaching for these last few weeks. The purpose of hearing God is intimacy with God, to know him to love him better, and that he's not just off in a distance, and you don't have to go through some religious organization to tell us what God might be saying to you, but you hear him. Uh, John chapter 10, Jesus said that I'm the good shepherd, my sheep, they know me, they, know, they hear my voice, they know my voice, they know me, and I know them. Um, here's the second thing I want you to see, is that hearing God's voice keeps you and me on the right path. This is really important that you don't get off the right path when it, comes to, when it comes to serving God. There are lots of deceivers in the world that can get you distracted or get you off of the, off the right path. John, again, chapter 10, Jesus says that my sheep, um, they don't follow the wolf or the enemy because uh, they know his voice, the Lord's voice, and they won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. I want you to get this because I don't know if you've ever had somebody that has tried to give you a prophetic word or somebody say, hey, God said this, and it just doesn't feel right in your spirit. Anybody ever felt that impulse in your inner man, in your knower? It's like, whoa, something's not right about that. Raise your hand if you've ever had that kind of an impulse. Okay, m many of you have. We, well, in the church where we call that, I've got to check in my spirit. There's something not right here. I don't know what it is, but that doesn't feel right. And so is that, I have to test it. Is this in alignment with what God is saying in the word and all of this? Don't See, this is how you stay on the right path because you won't follow the, a deceiving spirit. Here's the third reason why it's really important for you to hear God. It's because it's necessary for you to know uh, what he wants you to be and what he wants you to do. Not just do, but what he wants you to be. And so the Lord is always speaking to us about ourselves. And it's important for us to hear the voice of God. So this is the reason why we spent um, so much of August and now into September really talking about how important it is for you to hear God. And so... I've been so looking forward to this. I just love being a pastor. I love teaching, and I love, I love equipping us, and I love protection. I love balance. I don't like weirdos in the body of Christ. I don't want to become one. I've been accused of one before. Maybe I am a little weird. But I don't know, but I'm just telling you, we need to find that good, solid, comfortable balance of Scripture. Amen. We need to hear God's voice but we don't need to turn into some spooky weirdos, you know, walking around that God tells us everything. You don't have to get a word to brush your teeth this morning. I hope you just got up and did it. All right, everybody, can you say amen? Everybody's like, how did he know? All right, seven ways to test the spirit. Don't always believe everything you hear just because somebody says so. Just because somebody says God spoke to me about this, but you must test it first. Here's the very first test. I'm giving you seven. Number one is, uh, does this prophetic word or this voice or this vision or this thing I think I'm hearing, does it bring me into conflict with the Bible? If you're a note taker, you really need to write this down because I think this is number one and it's on my list and number one for a purpose. Does it bring me in conflict with the Bible? Because the Bible it already has expressed God's solid, powerful, general, unchanging, absolute will for mankind and for us. If God said it in the past, it's still good today. There are a lot of people today <coughs> in the modern church that are trying to convince 
others that the Bible is outdated. It's not culturally relevant because we're in a different culture now. Listen, everybody. Truth is truth. It doesn't matter what culture or what generation the truth was given. God's word is truth. It never changes. It's absolute. And, and you cannot receive a word that brings you in conflict with God's, God's word. Amen? So heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Amen? You know, you, you, you know the, it wasn't that long ago I had somebody come to me and say, we're in a really bad marriage and never could, try, never could get their marriage together. And I remember this woman coming to me and saying, Pastor Ron, I've been praying about this and praying about this and we just aren't not, we are not meant to be. And, um, and God spoke to me and said he wanted me to be happy. And I am so unhappy now that I feel like God said that I can get out of the marriage. And, um, you know, it's moments like that that make me think, am I really called to be a pastor? <laughs> Those are no fun conversations for me to have. <clears throat> Excuse me, everybody. I've got a little bit of a cough, but, you know, here's the thing. God's word says what God has joined together, let no man separate. Breaking a covenant because you can't find happiness and have not been able, both of you, learn how to die to self and resurrect your romance. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do. I realize that marriages fail all the time. I realize that people uh, are unfaithful and they divorce because of adultery and there are allowances in the word of God. But I think that we are too quick to, to, uh, to think that God is giving us the relief by compromising the truth or the word that he's already given. God is for your marriage. He doesn't want to end it to end in defeat. And he wants to rebuild. And if you could learn how um, both of you to go after the Lord and really die to yourself, you can, well, you, you, it's a miracle what God can do. Amen? I mean, listen, almost every marriage couple has been tempted at some point to go, man, what did we do? Maybe I could find happiness with somebody else or being single is better than this. I've heard that many times. Don't break your marriage covenant. And if somebody comes and prophesies that you married the wrong person, there's somebody better for you out there and there's a soulmate out there, you need to bring them in alignment with the scripture because if it conflicts with the Bible, you don't need to receive it. I got a friend that's self-employed. He's a Christian, strong Christian, and he doesn't like our government, not one bit. In fact, he hates what the government stands for. And so he's using that to justify never paying taxes. He has never paid taxes all of the years that he has been in business for himself. That's convenient, isn't it, everybody? Remember, Jesus said, you, give Caesar, you pay Caesar what is Caesar's and God what is God's. You tithe, but you also honor the government that you live in. And I told him, I'm not going to name him. I don't know if he's watching this or not. He doesn't come to our church. But I told him, we're we in conflict with this. I'm like, brother, why is it okay for you to drive on streets that my tax money is paying for and you take the advantage of driving on streets like that and you make no contribution? Everybody, I'm just saying to you, be careful that you supposedly get this prophetic word or this peace in your heart or a prophecy that brings you in conflict with the word of God. Amen? All right, let me give you number two. All right, uh, does it make me more like Christ or not? Does it make me more like Christ or not? And so Christ-likeness, this word from the Lord, Christ-likeness, everybody, this is um, the goal of the Holy Spirit, to reveal us, Jesus to us, to teach us about Christ, to bring us into alignment with, with Christ. That's really the goal. Let me give you a couple of scriptures here. First John. First um, John chapter two, verse five. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know that we are in him, in Jesus. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. This is the goal of Christ-likeness, is that we learn to live the way 
that Jesus lived. And it's t it comes because we decide to obey the word. In fact, let me show you a, another scripture I almost passed over. I want to I show this to you. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3. I challenged the men with this on Friday night when I was there. Look here, everybody. It said, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God... <coughs> Can you hand me a cough drop, please, Karen? So that the servant of God will be equipped for every good work. Everybody, this is my lovely wife. Can you give the Lord praise for Carrie? Thank you, honey. You look pretty today. <laughs> Did you hear what I said about what God's joined together, let no man separate? Just wondering if you were listening to that part. <laughs> it says that the word is God breathed. That, that means God's anointing and his inspiration is upon the Bible. And that the Bible, we must obey his word because it's good for teaching, for rebuking. Has, has anybody ever been caught up in a bad attitude or even sinful behavior and you read the scripture and you just got rebuked and that's happened to me before and the Bible is good for rebuking I'm, that's not your assignment to go start rebuking people with the word the word rebukes our behavior itself right but it's also good for correction that's what I was just talking about sometimes we need course correction we get off course and the word of God brings us back on course and it's good for training. And if uh, we are going to be complete in God, we have to obey his word and live like Jesus did. Now, let me show you another verse. Very interesting. This is Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. Uh, verse 2 talks about how God has revealed the mysteries of God through Christ, whom we belong to. And then verse 3 uh, the Apostle Paul says, God has hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ. I say this so that no one will mislead you with arguments that merely sound good. Everybody listen to me. Okay, I'm just trying to help us get equipped. There's wisdom that comes to you from your relationship with Jesus Christ that provides such security and protection that when somebody comes with, to you with something that sounds good, but that is not in alignment with the Bible, and you know this is not like Christ. This is not Christ-like. Jesus wouldn't do this. Jesus wouldn't teach me this. Jesus wouldn't lead me this way. Then I can't be deceived by that because I want everything that comes to me needs to come to help me grow up in, in spiritually like Christ. Okay? And so I, what I want to point out is that there are hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge that only come from your relationship with God. In fact, there's so much about this in the scripture. I find this so interesting because James talks about the same thing. He says there is a wisdom that comes from heaven. A wisdom that comes from heaven. Uh, this, is, this is James 3.17. And then he gives a list of these things. That this, this is the wisdom that's hidden in Christ revealed to us. First of all, he says it's pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Now, I, what I want you so to pay so close attention. I'm giving you a lot of verses and a lot of stuff, but I want you to see that to me, these are seven Christ-like filters that I, if I'm if I'm receiving a prophetic word, I'm looking for these things. I'm checking my motive. And my, my first motive is that word pure literally means to share in the character of God. So is this like God? Does this sound like God? Does this smell like God? Does this, does, does this feel like God? You're asking yourself, is this word, if I activate, if I obey, or if I act on this word, is it like God? Jesus was pure in all of his motives. Our impure motives is that it makes it all about us and not about pleasing God. Number two, Jesus was peace-loving. We're not talking about inner peace here. 
What he's talking about here is that there's wisdom that comes from above, from Christ, that this is wisdom that brings peace that opposed to strife. I've, so many times people have a prophetic word and they give it to somebody, but it just stirs up strife. If, if this is going to cause harm and strife, it's probably not God and you need to sit on it. Here's the third thing. Jesus was considerate. These are filters. I want you to evaluate. Jesus was always considerate. He, this is the opposite of being self-seeking. What would, what would happen in my relationships if I acted on this? So, you know, I can give you so many examples of people breaking commitments because they say, God told me so. God told me not to do it. And it's, that's flaky, everybody. It's flaky because that's inconsiderate. And the wisdom that comes from above is going to be considerate. You should never use God told me as an excuse to become inconsiderate or break a commitment. I didn't get an applause there, but I'm trying to pastor as well. <laughs> Number four, Jesus was submissive. Honestly, Jesus took on the mantle of the human flesh and and he, he didn't do everything that everybody wanted him to do or, or, or told him to do. In fact, John 5.30 says, <clears throat> Jesus said, I didn't come to seek to please myself, but the one who sent me. And so, is this word that I'm getting, is it sparking rebellion inside of me? Or does it keep me in a submissive uh, posture with the Father? The next one, he was full of mercy. That's part of the filter. This is, these are Christ-like filters. It's amazing how much Jesus operated in mercy. In fact, um, we should never use a prophecy to be harsh with other people. Here's, let me give you another one. It says that Jesus was impartial. The wisdom is impartial. But this, this simply means to be free of prejudice. Jesus was so impartial that it made a lot of the uh, prejudiced religious leaders furious. They were angry with him all the time because uh, he would engage with sinners, tax collectors, Samaritans, Gentiles, people that they wouldn't have anything to do with. Jesus would engage with them, and it made them so mad. Can I just, can I just tell you that, the, 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 that America is infected with racial tension so bad that it spills over into the church world. And this is not the wisdom that comes from above. And when we have to be careful, I remember I was in a church service years ago in my home church, and there was a person that stood up and gave a prophecy. It was a shout out prophecy. This person felt like they, they had a word from God. And the prophecy started this way. To my black brothers and sisters, Remember I was talking about that check? Did anybody just feel it down in your spirit? I did instantly. I'm like, whoa, hold on just a minute. And then this brother gave a message that was uniquely supposed to be given to um, the African Americans that were in the audience. And we probably, our church was integrated probably about 40, 60, very, very much integrated church in South Louisiana. But it just didn't feel right. And then the prophecy was spoken to the white people that were there. And I'm sitting in there as a young man going after God thinking, what is Pastor Roy going to do right now? And I was so blessed because he got up afterwards and he went to the platform and he just said, hey, everybody, could you just hold on just a minute? Brother, he's so sweet. You know, he's a southern gentleman. Bless your heart. Y'all know what that means, right? <laughs> We're so thankful that you want, it, that you're using your faith to prophesy and you want to encourage everybody. But everybody, this was just not really from the Lord. This, this, this is probably something that just flowed out of your mind because here in this church, we are all believers. God deals with us all collectively as sons and daughters of God He's not separating white from the black, and we're not going to do that here in this service ever. And then he quoted Galatians. For in Christ Jesus, 
you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized in Christ have been clothed, have clothed yourself with Christ. So there is neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free nor male or female or black or white. Come on, or Italian or Cajun. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Somebody say glory to God. I saw the Italians over here on this side giving me an amen. Everybody, wisdom that comes from above is impartial. Come on, everybody. And if you are trying to, to, to portion out or a prophetic word like that, it's probably not God. It doesn't feel good in my spirit, and, we, and, and we'll have to deal with it. Let's don't, let's don't have any of that stuff here. Can you say amen? amen. And then the last of all, a Christ-like filter is that it's just sincere sincerity if the world lacks anything the world lacks sincerity you never know especially with the media or in any way if this is sincere and it's right it's true so you filter it with sincerity okay can you say amen all right, so it, does it bring me in conflict with the Word of God? Does it help me become more like Christ? And then I gave you some filters. I hope you wrote them down. These are the things that you want to look for. If you're filtering a word that resembles Christ, here's number three. Does my church family confirm it? Does my church family confirm it? This is so important. I want you to understand this. When you became a believer, you not only got a relationship with God, you you got a relationship with a family. And God puts the lonely, he puts the single, and he puts them in families. He sets you into a local church. And, and here's where you get support and you get uh, confirmation and you find guidance for your spiritual life. Listen, in almost 40 years of ministry, I can just tell you so many stories of how lives have been ruined because people will not live in accountability within the church family. In fact, you know, I, I, I have found so many times, story after story, where people think they have a word from God that God has called them to do. And, and, and so they will go from church to church or person to person or pastor to pastor looking for someone to agree with them. Instead of just, you know, asking the Lord to show you. I remember, I, I remember, I remember when I had to deal with something like this. And me and Carrie, years ago, before we came here, my home church in San Antonio, Texas, when I was in Bible college, the church I went to, I kept a great relationship with them. And, and they called after I was beginning to feel a stirring about planting a church one day. And Carrie and I had even talked about it. Uh, instead of being an associate pastor at Bethany, that God would send me out. And this church contacted me and said, hey, our pastor is resigning to go full-time as a professor at, at the college, and we're looking for a pastor, and the Lord has spoke to us that you are the one. Will you come and preach and visit and see what the Lord says? I'm like, hot dog. I knew most of the people that were there. I helped build, raise that church up. I'm like, I told Carrie, I'm like, let's go to San Antonio. We hopped in the car, drove to San Antonio. I preached on a Sunday morning to the congregation. They had a new complex that was halfway finished, and they were building it debt-free. There was no debt, all finances in order. I look at Carrie. I'm like, this is blowing my mind. Maybe this, this sure feels right. Until I went home and talked to my pastor. So I went home, and I made an appointment with Pastor Larry. He's one of our presbyters. And I said, Pastor, I, we, you know, when I came on staff after my first wife died, you know, I was here and you said that there's coming a day uh, when you feel like that you're going to send me out to plant a church or go back into uh, lead pastoring. And, and I told him all about San Antonio and how I really, really felt this was God. And he just kind of nodded his head and he's like, okay, okay, okay. He called me Brother Ronnie. Brother Ronnie, okay, okay. Um, let me pray about it for a week. A week later, I'm all geared up. I go sit down with him. And I said, did you get a word from God? Do you have a confirmation? 
He goes, yeah, I really prayed about this and I think this is not God for you. And you know what I thought? Did he really pray? (laughs) Who is he? He's not living my life. Can anybody feel the, the pushback? Think about some of the things. I mean, this is a big deal, everybody. This is a great opportunity for me and Carrie. I'm like, is he holding me back? Is it just because he wants me to stay here and work with him? Is he ever going to release me like he promised he would? But the Bible says that we should obey our leaders because they watch for our souls. And this man had helped rescue me from the horrible uh, issues that I went through when my first wife died. He helped me bury my wife, gave me a place to recover, helped me with my children, and married me and Carrie, did the wedding for me and Carrie. And this, I love him so much, but he's like, I don't think this is God. I'm like, it's perfect. (laughs) And I went home with my tail between my legs and I said, Carrie, I don't think this is God. And I think we're staying here for a while. And so I submitted and surrendered. Can I just tell you, as I stand on this pulpit at Christian Life in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, I'm so glad Pastor Larry did not confirm what I thought was God when it wasn't God, and I stayed and came here. I'm glad you're clapping. I'm I'm glad you're clapping because you're like, you should have just gone on to San Antonio. Everybody, I'm just saying to you that there's sometimes that you have to, you have to, realize that God will confirm prophetic words through the leaders in the church of people that he has put you in the family. Have you ever, I don't know, not everybody has this kind of family relationship, but I grew up bouncing things off of my dad. Even my mom, I'm like, hey, I just was thinking about this. What do you think about it? Will you pray about this? Is this a good decision? My kids do that. In the body of Christ, it's the same way. There's safety and protection in the church family. All right, well, there's a bunch of weirdos in church family. I know, but you got to find the ones that you know can hear from God. Let them partner with you and pray. And pray for the weirdies like you used to be so you can grow up. Grow up. Turn to somebody and say, grow up. I'm going to be in so much trouble. I'm just trying to equip us. Here's number five. Are y'all ready for it? Are y'all tracking with me? Did I go through four? Oh, I skipped four. Lord, I need to hurry. Here's number four. Is it consistent with my design? This is how you test it. Is it consistent with the way God made me, created me, the calling that is on my life? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There are are certain giftings and personality traits, talents that you have that fit with what God has designed for you to be and to do. And if you think that you, if you've got a word that takes you and brings you into conflict with the design of your personality and your giftings, you can really get off track. Rick Warren says this, in the purpose-driven purpose life, that a chair is designed with a certain purpose, and the way that it's designed, it reveals its purpose. Four legs in that chair, it's meant to hold something up, right? And so, you were designed in a certain way, and oftentimes, that design reveals your purpose. Some of you are really good with words. I happen to think that Melissa Piercy's pretty good with words. She was pretty smooth up here sharing a testimony. Some of you, if I asked you to come and speak or share your testimony, you'd be freaking out. You'd be like, no, can I just email it to you and you read it? (laughs) So most likely God hasn't called you to go be a college professor to teach the deep truths of God. You're you're better off sending emails. Some of you may not be good with animals. And somebody gives you a prophetic word that you're gonna open up a veterinarian clinic and you're scared to death of cats. It's probably not God. Some of you may be good with mechanical things or computers. And 
you know, if God leads you to go start a church and you're not good with words and you're not good with leadership, you need to question, is this God? You may be good with money. You know, I, there, there's a, I got a friend in San Antonio who years ago, he felt like he's great in business. I mean, I'm talking about he's started all kinds of corporations. I don't know what his net worth is, but it's mind blowing. And, and, and he felt like God had called him to ministry. And so he was thinking that he would, the only opportunities that he had was to go pastor a church, go start a church. But I remember talking to him. He said, I had a whole bunch of guys like me in the business community that went to start churches and the churches just failed and they lost their business and everything. He goes, I don't think I'm called to start a church. He said, but you know what God called me to do is to go work in third world countries and with, through micro loans, start training and, and equipping third world Christians to start their own businesses so they could take care of their family and they could, they could reach others through the world of finance. It's amazing what he's done with that. Now, if he'd have gone try to start a church, it probably would have flopped, but he knows that was his design. Listen, everybody, I'm, j I'm just saying to you, that if you are tone deaf, most likely God has not called you to be a worship leader. If you want to give me a prophecy that God has called me to resign Christian life and to become a contemporary artist, that ain't God. It's not consistent with what God, I can't sing. They cut me off when I was testing the mic here before all of you guys came. I started singing the worship chorus while I was testing the mic. And Tim, right back there, cut me off. I mean, cut me off. Actually, he didn't cut me off. He, they just turned on the other music so loud it drowned me out. How do I test it? If it's not consistent with who you know you are and what you are gifted and talented, don't go run off and leave everything thinking that you've heard from God. It needs to be tested with you, by your design. All right, I'm teaching you really good, everybody. This will save you a lot of pain. Here's number five. Does it concern my responsibility? If God's given you a word for somebody, a prophetic word, or you're hearing something, is there a reason why God would speak to you about that? Oftentimes, people are just so, so nosy about everybody else. You remember, you remember Jesus was warning Peter, the resurrected Jesus was warning Peter, Peter, you got some stuff to deal with, and, and, and you're going to suffer for me. And it was ominous what Jesus was saying to him. And he looked over at John, who he was jealous of, this is in John 21. He looked over at John and he says, well, what about him? And Jesus said, whatever happens with him is between him and God. You need to pay attention to you. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but go read it. And this is so true that sometimes we use prophetic words and we're just trying to get into people's business. That's not God. That's not the Lord. That's not Christ-like, everybody. Sometimes God will speak to us to encourage other people, but not to rebuke them, not to bring confusion to their life, and for heaven's sakes, never to be authoritative and give them direction. I, don't ask me to tell you what God wants you to do. Don't ask me to do that. I'm going to tell you, you go pray about it until you hear God. Because you know what? The first time you hit a bump, you're going to be like, Pastor Ron told me to do this, and this ain't God, and it's all his fault. I'm not the Holy Spirit, everybody. I mean, Jesus, Carrie calls me Jesus Jr. a lot. But it's not meant for a compliment. She's just teasing me sometimes, everybody. I'm just saying, I'm not Jesus Jr. and I'm not the Holy Spirit. You need to hear from God. It's like, just like Melissa when she says, Pastor, do you think God gave me this vision because the angels are coming to take my sister home when she dies and I need to have peace? Or do you think God gave me this vision because he wants me to pray and believe God for a healing? Well, I'm like, well, what are you sensing? She said, I want her to live. I said, how about we pray that? Amen? Okay, so, does it concern my responsibility? You know, I, I'm very careful. Listen, if, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, God told me your secret sin, or God told me where you should invest money, or God told me who you're supposed to marry, 
I think you need to say thank you so much. You do like Brother Roy did. Bless your heart. Thank you so much. But I'm just going to go pray about this. Amen? Prophecy in the church is given for encouragement and confirmation, everybody, and comfort and consolation, not for authoritative direction. Is anybody with me on that? You getting that? Here's number six. Is this word from God, whether it's an impulse of the Spirit or a prophecy, is it convicting rather than condemning? I want you to get this because conviction is from God and condemnation is from the devil. Conviction means I need a course correction. I just got rebuked a little bit. I need to come into alignment. Condemnation means there's no hope. There's no opportunity for repentance. The voice of God always gives you a future and an opportunity for redemption. Condemnation comes from the devil and it makes you feel worthless and hopeless. If the word that you're supposed to be hearing or God's supposed to have given you makes you feel hopeless and it makes you feel worthless, it's not from God. Can you say amen to that? I remember reading about a pastor that after every sermon that he would give, nearly every sermon, there was a lady that would come and she would report to him, Pastor, God spoke to me. And it was always harsh, mean, ugly stuff about herself, not about the pastor. But she would just say, God told me that I'm a, you know, whatever. And after about three months of this, one day the lady came and she was reporting what God had told her. And he, and he stopped her. He said, sister, can I stop you? Does God ever say anything nice to you? And I thought some of us are filtering everything that we hear through our insecurity and our pain. And God is not that kind of a God. Amen. Is it convicting or is it condemning? Here's the last one. Do I sense God's peace in this prophetic word? Or does it bring me into confusion and give me a lack of peace? Is it troubling me? Because I'm just saying that God, the 1 Corinthians 14, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. He's a God of peace. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, the peace of God, should, it guards our hearts and our minds. It's the peace of God. There's only one time, I think, whenever the Lord speaks and it, should, and it doesn't bring you into peace, it's when God wants you to do warfare over your own life or in someone else's. Sometimes the spirit of intercession will come and it's like the Lord's troubled the water so you'll know how to pray. But for the most part, God's not, God's not speaking things that bring you into um, anxiety, bring you anxiety. He, a prophetic word is going to bring you into peace. Amen. Come on, stand with me, everybody. These are the seven ways that you test the voice of God. It's the way you test a prophetic voice, a prophetic word. And I hope that um, this has helped you. We want you all to hear God. But we want to also make sure that we are not deceived, misled. I want us to be able to test. Don't be, I'm going to say it again. Don't believe everything you hear just because someone says it's a message from God. Test it first to see if it really is. Amen. Let me pray over you. And I'm just going to release you today. Thank you, Jesus. If you are in here or maybe watching and you are away from God and you want to get right with God, you know what? I'm just going to be down here afterwards. I'd love to pray for you and maybe lead you to the Lord or help you find your way back to God. We've got some other leaders that will help you. Uh, if you need a miracle, I'll be glad to pray with you. But you know what? There's probably a couple of people around you that can pray with you too and just release your faith and believe God. The main thing I want so much is to stir, inspire a desire within you to hear the voice of God for yourself and learn how to really be mature enough 
to filter it because God's going to speak to your spirit, but it's going to come through your mind. And so we need to know that this is an agreement with the Holy Spirit and our spirit. And it's not just, well, fancy words from someone else or our hopes and dreams, but we need to know that this is from God. So I'm going to pray over you right now. Father, I pray over the saints at Christian Life Church. I pray that they would be mature enough, Lord, to be able to receive this message today and fully embrace the teaching from their pastor today. Help us, Lord, not to go, go flaky, but be people that are prophetic, people that know how to hear God, people know, who know how to pray according to the will of God. And I pray that over our whole congregation today, God. For those that feel like, oh, I will never be able to hear from God, would you begin speaking to their heart, to their spirit? Speak through the word. Speak through um, the inner impulses of the spirit. Speak through visions and dreams, God. I just pray that the spirit of God would help them to discern what truly God is saying. So I bless them today, Lord, on this great Sunday. Lord, we thank you for what you've done in the men as they're heading home now. I pray that families, they would just talk about the goodness of God and that milestones would be reached, Lord, and markers have been established where God has turned us around and spoke to us. God, bless the believers at Christian Life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, everybody. On your way out, listen to me, everybody. This is, my pastor said this to me years ago. He said, you know, when you are with your people and the service ends, walk slowly through the congregation. You know what he's saying? Just be available. I think sometimes we, all of us, ought to just walk slowly through the congregation. Stop. I mean, except when you're going to get your kids. Go get them quickly and then come back and walk slowly. God bless you, everybody. Have a great Sunday.